Hello and welcome to Jeanette's TV and Jeanette's TV podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Burke. On today's show, we're having a very compelling talk with Danielle Kaplan, who is a first-time author of the newly released book, I Married a Thrill Seeker, a cautious wife's memoir of her husband's risk-taking and their long road to recovery published by Independent Publishing House, R.E. Books, founded by Canadian best-selling author Rebecca Eckler, who has twice been a guest on this show before. Danielle is a speech-language pathologist and movement specialist with a master's degree in speech pathology. She and her husband, Steve, emigrated to Canada from Johannesburg, South Africa, where she spent 20 years working in acute teaching hospitals in neurology, neurosurgery, and spinal injury. As you will hear, Danielle's background and certification in Pilates, personal training, and rehab exercise played a significant part in her husband's recovery. Now, before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell to be notified of all our upcoming Season 12 episodes. You'll never miss one. That link is below. You can also support us on Patreon. No donation is too big or too small as we continue to bring you the best lifestyle, women, and business content streaming all over the internet. There are different levels with special perks. That link is also below. You can also order a Jeanette's TV and podcast t-shirt or sweatshirt in your favorite color and size with either the JTV tagline and logo like this one or an inspirational saying made by me and one of my guests in a previous episode. All you have to do is pick what you want and all orders include shipping and handling and are conveniently shipped straight to your front door. We'll be right back with Danielle Kaplan, author of I Married a Thrill Seeker. And I'm sitting here with Danielle Kaplan and She's the author of the new book, and I'm going to let her tell you the story of what happened with her husband, Steve, on that last ride he took before uh, he had this terrible accident. So let's start, Danielle, by you. I'm going to let you tell your story, you and Steve's story, about exactly what happened. And then, well, as you tell it, uh, I will jump in and start with some of the interview questions. So go ahead. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeanette. And lovely to be here with you talking about my book, my story, our story. So Steve is actually a sensation seeker, thrill seeker, has always enjoyed speed, challenges, dares, and is bold and courageous and doesn't feel the stress that I necessarily would. And he had this... um, adventure motorbike and this was his second trip that he was leaving from Toronto through the northern United States through British Columbia 
to the pot of gold of Alaska for him and then back through Yukon and back home. And on his last trip, and I'd never said it to him before, but I said to him, if you get injured on this trip, if you die, if you have a spinal injury, I'm going to kill you. And honestly, I had never said that to him before. And he just laughed it off and said in his true style, Dan's, I'm fine. I'll be fine. Don't even worry. I'll be back. So off he goes on his adventure, sending me amazing emails and photographs. And he's now turning around on his trip, almost three weeks into the trip, coming back home and driving through the Yukon, which in Canada is the Northwestern Territories. And he is driving, and who does this? At dusk on a very uninhabited gravel road um, in the rain. Uninhabited area is he likes uh, the wilderness, the winds, the mountains, and the experience. And he hits a pothole, thinking that it was uh, a little more shallow, but it had been filled with water, and his bike decelerates. He flies up in the air on this remote gravel road, hits the ground, and without realizing it breaks, damages his, spinal, his spine and his heart. And now he's immobile on this remote gravel road with not a car, truck, person in sight in grizzly bear territory in dusk, at dusk. So part of the story and why it's such an incredible story is what happened on the roadside is beyond miraculous. And then his medical journey is equally just as incredible. And okay, I'm going to stop you there. We're going to get into that part, but let's go back first to the fact that you married an adrenaline seeking uh, thrill seeker, and yes. you yourself are not like that. So, Correct. I guess some people would say opposites attract. <laughs> you knew what he was about, you knew that he had this side to him even before you married. And um, I believe you actually did some homework on him before you even accepted yes. a date with him. What was the draw then to the, I mean, there must've been some polarity to this thrill seeking side and adventurous spirit that you don't have in yourself. You know what, that's such a great question and leads to thought provoking and self-analysis and you know what is this all about so yes I was told when we were dating or even before I met him that he was wild and mischievous and I walk the narrow path I'm moderate I don't take risks I'm risk adverse I risk avoid whatever it is and I guess it was a challenge for me um, coming across this almost uh, totally different behavior that I was used to. And um, I think I found it intriguing. And so I didn't mm -hmm. quite understand when we were so young that this was actual mm -hmm. thrill-seeking behavior. I just thought that was mm -hmm. his nature, his personality. But as I got to see, he doesn't feel stressed in the same way that I do. He takes on dares, challenges, speed in his stride. Mm -hmm. And he thrives on it. He, he pursues it. He, he loves it. 
it's exciting. So why do you think he, he is like that? Like, what do you think about him makes him thrive on these type of activities and adventures? So probably did not look deeply into it. I just accepted that that was Steve until this accident happened. And I started doing some reading. And I guess it's a there's, there's a researcher out of Montreal um, in McGill University who talks about it being a personality trait. Perhaps it's neurochemistry. Um, it's it's in him. And you can, I realized something, even today, even though he's more limited in what he can do than he could do before the accident, it doesn't stop him at all. He is still adventurous. He is still courageous. And I, I say this, that you can't take the thrill out of the seeker, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So you, you actually answered one of my other questions. Is he still like that? So let's, let's uh, so progress a little bit. To that, that is yeah. he still like that? We just went on a long car ride and he took me up through the Smoky Mountain Range in Tennessee on a ride called The Tale of the Dragon. And it has mm -hmm. 318 sharp curves in 11 miles. And trust me, wow. I sat gripping my door and pushing an imaginary brake with the mountain slope down in the side of us. And he was loving every minute of us. The only difference, he'd done it on his bike and now we were in a four wheels in a motor car, but he still loves mm -hmm. it. Okay. So we're going to get into the whole accident and the recovery, but I wanted to kind of fill in the blanks with you in this interview, because I know that the audience would want to know these answers. Mm -hmm. So you're in this relationship. Now you're married. You have children with a man who's a thrill seeker and you're not. And obviously this might, this would be a cause perhaps of contention in your relationship to some degree. And probably, you know, you were worried, especially since you had children. I mean, you did ask him to stop. How many times did you ask him to stop? So the, you know, I didn't actually ever tell him to stop or ask him because it's not my nature to tell someone what to do. And I knew that I wouldn't change him. He, I thought his bike was his other wife. Um, mm -hmm. But we did go for counseling, which was enlightening because I said, we need to go so that we're on the same page with us. You need to understand and have empathy for how anxious I am, how stressed I get when you go on your mm -hmm. motorbike rides. And we're not talking like little local city drives. We're talking long distances, high speed, short times, mm -hmm wilderness mm -hmm. glaciers whatever real mm -hmm. adventure and so the therapist gave us advice and I, I'm not sure if in fact it worked for us probably in retrospect it didn't he said mm -hmm. I should be more affirming and um, um, uh, praise I should praise him more on what his accomplishments are I should um, be proud of him and on the other hand, he should have more empathy for how much stress and anxiety I go through. So we kind of agree to disagree, but I don't think we ever actually worked it out because he would go on the rides and every day until I got that final email every night, I would be anxious. Is he going to be okay? Is he going to be injured? 
Um, right. It's going to happen. And because I right. worked in trauma, I was much more sensitive to the consequences of risk. Right. And we're going to bring up that too when we get to the next part about the healing process. So, um, uh, Danielle, did this ever become so stressful that you actually considered leaving or divorcing Steve? You know, it is a really good question. And I probably have not told many people, but I think the last trip I was like, oh, I'm done with this. I can't live with this kind of stress. So I felt that. But on the other hand, my family comes first and Steve is my family and my children are my priority. And so I really had a way up. Uh, the stress and the anxiety or keeping my family together. And maybe people would do it differently, but I decided my family were my priority. And Steve, as much as he's my husband, he's my family and I loved him. And so I didn't make that move, but it certainly crossed my mind. Like, is this healthy for me? And if it's not healthy for me, it's not healthy for my family. Right. And then he had okay. his accident and that put told to that. <laughs> All right. So let's get into, I want to get back to the accident. So you must have been wondering, you hadn't heard from him. How did you find out about the accident? What were your reactions? And there was a prolonged uh, time frame for him to receive medical care mm -hmm. that actually gave him a 1% chance of survival. What's going on in your mind the whole time through this? Like first, tell us how you found out, how, were, how you were instrumental in getting him the medical care that he needed and just how it all impacted you. And, you know, you're in Toronto, he's on a highway out in the middle of rural um, Yukon, Alaska, near Alaska and in the Yukon in Northwest Territory is quite a distance there. Just tell us exactly what was going on and how you um, found out and what went through your mind. And then we'll get into the, the actual healing process. So that's a really good question. It's simple and complicated in response. Here was my husband in rural Yukon. My children who were young adults, older teenagers were working up in Ontario, Northern Ontario at a summer camp. And I was at our lake house in Ontario on a lake. So my whole family was split up all over the place. I was lucky my parents were with me. Steve had, and this kind of relates to the story, this spot transponder, and it had three functions. One was to, for any of his crazy friends to follow him on his website on his trip, or anyone who was interested. Two, it sent me messages at the end of the night, emails of his coordinates and that he was safe, automatic ones. And the third one, which relates to your question, it had an emergency button attached to it to connect it to a center in Texas. So that's what people should really carry with them when they're on adventures and so that they've got some means of connecting if they need help because he was, it was in such a rural area, there was no cell reception and in fact, not even um, radio. If anyone needed to radio someone, there was no radio uh, reception in that area. So what happened, and this relates a little bit to the incredible part of the story and how I found out. This spot transponder was connected to 
the handlebars of his motorbike on a metal bracket. He lands on the ground on the gravel road. The bike flies at least 60 feet, at least 20 meters into very thick bush. So he can't even see the bike. And now he, he's stuck, he's immobile on the road. He's broken his spine and he can't move. This box transponder, which is attached by a metal bracket, actually breaks off the motorbike. And it's, if Steve is a target, flies up in the air through the thick bush and lands in his reach. Now, what are the odds of that? That's like the lorry of life. Wow, it, talk about God's watching I, over you. It could have stayed on the bike like a lot of his um, items, which we have photos of from the RCMP. It could have just fallen 360 degrees any distance from the bike, but it actually landed in his reach. He's not even realizing that he's actually hit gold here. He's hit the lottery. He presses, he casually just presses the emergency button. And so it goes to the center in Texas, who then contact the contacts that they've been given, of which he was one and I was the other. And here I am having spent a wonderful leisurely day in the sun and I get this call and I always talk about it. It's that call that, you know, your life changes forever. It is that moment. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. How did you get him the help? Like how, so, how, where, where did the medical team come in? So, and how long so, was he on yeah, the Yeah, it's a good question. Got? So the, the um, staff who work at the center um, they're not EMS staff, but they are, they working the center contacted me and they said, what do we do? And I said, oh, is the bike moving? Are the coordinates moving? And they said, no. They said, do you want us to call for emergency help? And I said, absolutely. So they reached out to, and this was far to a center in Ross River, which was miles and hours from where he was to a clinic, a medical clinic actually run by nursing staff who then contact volunteer and other EMS and RCMP officers, and off they go on the search to find him. And, and how long did it take before they found him? How many hours was he unattended with medical? So he was medical? on the road in Grizzly Bear Territory hearing the animals for an hour and a half. And oh he God. was actually found, which is also an incredible story, by a trucker an hour and a half later who was not meant to be on that road at that time. It was pure luck and chance that Frank found him. Okay. So he, he did get the medical care, but had he been, you know, um, rescued a little earlier, he may not have had the injuries that he had sustained. Uh, let's talk a little bit about those injuries and how it's changed your life and your husband's life. Right. He probably would have, he did have the same injuries. So how they found him and they put him on a um, straight board because he has a spinal injury, but there's a lot in the story before that of how Frank and him got him into Frank's huge rig, but eventually they met up with the RCMP and then the ambulance. He was taken to this clinic he was then taken by ambulance to a small town called Faro, ironically the town that Frank the trucker lives in, 
and they heard a plane. He was medevaced to Whitehorse um, in the Yukon and seen and had, um, was assessed radiology, um, x-rays, CT scans, and they were really concerned about his spine. So he was then medevaced to the closest hospital, which was Vancouver General Hospital in Vancouver. And that's where he had his spine surgery, but then that's when he deteriorated and he went into multi-organ failure. His heart, his lungs, his liver, and his kidney all stopped functioning. And they said, he's not gonna make the night. Okay, so you're, you're obviously distraught. You're probably thinking your husband's gonna pass on you. How do you cope with all this? How do you prepare for these massive changes? Yeah. And I, in the interest of time, I, I do need to uh, get this out, out uh, from you as, as best I can. Okay. How has it affected your life? Like he lived, thank God, but your whole life has changed. His whole life has changed. Yeah. He's no longer the CEO of the com beauty company that he was running. You know, let's hear a little bit about those changes. How did you adapt? And and also, how did your particular background in uh, speech pathology and all that you do, I did mention it in the intro, how did it play a role, a significant role in Steve's recovery? Okay, so really, I'll go quickly. So I get to Vancouver, and at some point, I make a conscious decision that I need to put all my emotions, all my dwelling, all my thoughts in the back pocket. And I need to be Steve's advocate, his rational voice, his therapist, his clinician, his compass, his GPS, everything for the best outcome that we possibly could. And it was very bleak for a while. He should not have survived. He shouldn't have had a good outcome. And his outcome, he's risen beyond, beyond. Of course, it's traumatic for me because I cope because my background was working in downtown acute care hospitals in trauma, spinal injury, neurosurgery. So Steve actually was my patient. And then he also was my husband because I was so familiar, even though in unfamiliar hospitals. Um, so I became his biggest advocate and I treated him like my patient, I was his clinician, I was his advocate. And that's a really good life lesson is everybody in hospital, who particularly who's critical, needs an advocate to navigate through the medical system because your outcome is definitely a different and improved outcome if you have someone advocating mm -hmm. for you. I mean, I developed, he had post-traumatic stress disorder and later on, so did I, I developed fear of accidents. So if my kids or Steve travel now, I'm like anxious till I know that they're safe. Um, you know, we all, we all, it impacts on us all in, in certain ways. My children uh, impacted on them significantly, obviously, but they rose to the occasion. They dealt with it day by day and then they didn't want to talk about it. It was over and done. And mm -hmm. Steve, are one of your children the same? Are one of them, is one of them or both of them a thrill seeker? No, actually, neither of them are actually, funnily oh, enough. So they I mean, they're probably a little, bit, yeah, a little bit more daring than I am. Definitely more daring. My daughter is probably more daring than my son, Josh, and I. But they both, I mean, they both not as moderate as I am, but they certainly don't have Steve's traits. 
And they accept him for that's right. their dad. So, okay, so um, in, uh, I would like to know specifically, how did your life change? Um, be, your marriage, your life, how did, how did you have to adapt? I mean, obviously your husband had some serious injuries and health conditions. He wasn't working. I don't know if he still works. I don't know. Uh, how did that all happen? And how did the community and your families, your extended families, step up? Also, great question. So, of course, it impacts on you. Any trauma impacts on the family, even if someone has a stroke or someone's chronically ill or whatever. You, you definitely, um, life changes, your focus changes. I was Steve's caregiver and we're talking the most independent person who doesn't like people telling him what to do who doesn't like people doing things for him had to be completely dependent on me so a lot of roles changed even my kids role reversal they were caregivers for their dad but Steve in true spirit what he is everything he fast tracks everything he does quickly he recovered beyond what was ever anticipated, expected. I mean, he's a determined hard worker. We all worked hard to get him where he is. He had incredible medical care. I mean, the Canadian medical system for us is a hero and all the doctors, unbelievable. We are always so grateful. Um, Steve rose to being on a bed where he couldn't even move himself. He was had um, delusions, he was psychotic, he had um, bad dreams, he was um, muscle wasted, he didn't know how to move his body in space, to rose to a position of COO of a very large skincare beauty company with 1400 employees worldwide. Um, and was went And from, he does this today. He just stepped away he just retired but he was doing it up until a couple of weeks ago and wow that that's incredible the best he has incredible leadership skills strategy focus all things that when he had absent we never even ever anticipated would come back wow and how long ago was the accident so the accident was in 2011 in August 2011. So we're talking 11 years okay. now. Yeah. Right. And so now you guys carry on normally with life. You mentioned you travel still. You mentioned also at the top of the interview that the adventure spirit has not gone away. No. It's just done a little differently Different instead thing. of on a motorbike. It's in a four, it's in a car with four wheels, but it's still there. Um, Exactly. I, I, as I round out the interview, I have a couple of questions left. And that is, what advice do you have for somebody who is going through either something similar or um, like a life-threatening illness, something that impacts their family, impedes on their marriage, tests uh, their love, their commitment, their finances, their children, their up, how they raise their children, even their religion. What, what advice do you have for them and how? So I love, love that question go. because what I think about, what are my take home messages from our experiences? First of all, I learned that when you are in crisis, you have to live in the moment because if you look forward, 
it's too overwhelming, it's unpredictable, it's unknown, and it's frightening. If you look back and you dwell on what could have been, you, you can't rewrite the story or the narrative and it's counterproductive. So as cliched as this sounds, and with my mindfulness instructor thinking this, you've got to go breath by breath, hour by hour, day by day. That's sort of one of the biggest take-homes I have. The other one is, you know, how important it is, as I mentioned earlier, when you're in a medical situation like this, to have someone as an advocate for mm -hmm. you, a very important one. Another one is to actually have those life and death discussions before you ever faced with crisis like this. Like, what would you do? I was faced with, do I allow Stephen to have a medical intervention that they actually thought would have really almost no impact, or do I let him die with dignity? So one has to have those really harsh, tough discussions. Um, mm -hmm. And how long are you married now? I know, I can't even remember, but it's something like 38 years. I was a baby wow. when we met. I was 19 when we met. I was 23 wow. when we so met. So you, you, this really, this story really is a testament of love, Great courage, job. strength, fortitude, and luck. And um, yeah. I, I did want to ask you one last question before we close out. And that is, do you have a sort of a different appreciation of Steve now than you ever did before? When you see how much he's gone through, how he was blessed to live and that he's still able to accomplish such incredible things despite everything that happened to him? Totally. So he was named the Bionic Man by his friends, the community. And when you, I just wanted to say one thing that you said earlier, our friends, our family, the community, you learn who steps up, who measures up, who walks the walk, who shows up. And you are in so grateful to everybody because it becomes a team. You all work together. And so by everybody, he was known as the Bionic Man and even from his writing days, it's sort of an, a phrase, the iron butt, uh, which is rights he did. He is one strong individual, determined, fought through things. Um, but on the other hand, he was really lucky he had me as his wife because- Have you mellowed him at all? <laughs> you know, you learn, you can't change someone. You hope that with your behavior being a certain way, they learn from you. And I would say he definitely has much more empathy today and understands the risks he took and the consequences. And I always say, when there is risk, there are consequences. And I think he finally realizes that. All right, one last question, as I have to close out now, uh, where can we get the book? Where okay, can our my viewers go to buy the I book? Great. So first of all, the book is now on Amazon, amazon.com, amazon.ca, as you just look up, I married a thrill seeker. We also have a website, www.imarriedathrillseeker.com, and all the information and media is there. We can also be contacted definitely through my publisher, Rebecca Eckler, at rebooks.com or rebooks. Okay. Um, and the book will be available in the next week or two in on 
for delivery because it's pre-ordered now, but by the time this is, it's out. And it's going to be in a number of bookstores, well-known bookstores. So it is out like there. Indigo? Yeah. Indigo? Indigo. Barnes and Noble. Okay. So Canada in the U.S. All right. One last Target. question. Yeah. Um, that we can have you say, and you can sort of leave us with a parting message. 11 years ago, this happened. The book is just being written now. Why now? So the book was a process. And the, it's such a great question because people ask me, why did you write it? So the funny thing is I started collating the information. Everybody, because everybody was all over the place, I had chats going, I had information, I was on Facebook, I had messages, emails. And for some reason, I just collected everything because naively I thought if I'm the only one, and even though I did have family, my sister-in-laws and brother-in-law and brother there for periods of time, if I'm the only one who knows what's going on, I really want Steve, Josh and Gabby to know what happened, which was so naive because why would they want to know all those details? So I collated everything. I had everything. I took photos for some reason, not thinking I was writing a book. And then I had a lot of doctors because it was such a miraculous medical journey. Say, so, you know, this is really one crazy story. That guy from Yukon, it's a book. It's a story. And one of the doctors even said, you know what? It's even worthy of a movie. Who's going to play Steve? And all these sort of thoughts was like, maybe I need to share this as a story and not just for my family. And so it mm -hmm. was a process over years. I'd write a bit, stop a bit, write a bit but I had all the information. So at least I didn't have to rely purely on memory. Okay, well, that's, that's good that you documented it all. I'm gonna say one more time, give us again the, yeah, very lucky. One more time, give us the- Connect with Rebecca Nicola, because she believed okay. in my story. Yeah, I've had Rebecca on the show twice, she's great. Can I just get for me one more time the link to go to buy the book? So the, the link website is, link. So the website is www.amazon. Sorry, www.imarriedathrillseeker.com, but it's on Amazon and it's on Amazon Canada and the US, amazon.com. Just I okay. married a thrill seeker. So I'm afraid we're out of time. This is a riveting topic. I, I wish we could talk more about it, but we are out of time for today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Jeanette. It was such a treat and such a great learning experience for me to be interviewed by you. So thank you. Thanks for being with us today on Jeanette's TV and Jeanette's TV podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Burke, signing off. Please remember to like, comment, and share all our posts with your family and friends. You can find us everywhere on the TV side, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and the list goes on. On the audio podcast side, you'll find us on Buzzsprout, BuzzFeed, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, and lots more. For a complete list of where to watch and listen to us, please check the show notes below. And until next time, continue to be fabulous.